Welcome to the Boundless Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 15. I am Jacques, and with me is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, I'm still recovering. Let's just say that. We'll get into that later. Okay. We will definitely get into that in a bit. Anyway, let me just get on with the socials real quick, and then we'll move on with the show. So you can find us online at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, we'd appreciate it if you'd follow us on your favorite podcast platform. Please leave comments, guys. I can't stress that enough. We need comments. I demand them. It makes me happy. And it gives me the energy I need to continue my day. No, I'm just spewing bullshit. It doesn't really matter. But I would like to see some. Yeah, with that being said, we can just go ahead and move right on to the podcast. So this past Sunday, uh, me and Mike were playing NHL 21 on our PlayStation 4. It was about, what, like 11, 11.30 at night? Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I start to hear something outside. I hear a commotion, a ruckus. And um, it sounded like someone on one of those megaphones. So I just chalked it up to, oh, it's just some people playing around outside you know I, I, I my neighborhood is very discourteous there's lots of loud people around here so i just chalked it up to that so we continue playing and uh i noticed what they're actually saying on the, the megaphone and it was like this is the police i don't know what else they said i could barely hear it but once i heard that part i was like oh wait uh this this might actually be something serious so i i uh i go to the window and I see like a police SUV outside with its its lights going. So I listen in and he's like, please let this girl out of the house. He's like, if you don't do that, we are coming in. And um, he just kept repeating over and over to, to no answer, no avail. So it, what happened is, you know, after days of conversing with neighbors and kind of figuring out what the heck went on that night, what it, what it seems happened is... So I, I don't know if it's a boyfriend and a, a woman that are in this house, and the woman has a daughter. I don't know how old the daughter is, but apparently the she had went walked out of the house. I don't know if they had some kind of altercation, but she kind of walked down the street, and the boyfriend was holding the daughter hostage inside the house. Jeez. Oh, and Mike, remember when I said that you know I couldn't see any other cop cars? I just saw an ambulance and one yeah, cop car. Yeah. No, there was seven cop cars down the street. Holy shit. I thought a uh, SWAT team was going to show up, because usually they come in situations like that if the guy's not coming out of the house, and they think it's a, a very, very serious threat. Yeah, I don't know. There may have been a SWAT team. I don't know, because I was talking to my father, and he actually was going out into our backyard at, at the fence, and like he got a better view of it. I don't know. He, I don't know why he did that, man, because... I was afraid, like, that some shooting was going to start. Yeah, you hit the ground, man. You're, I mean, you're on your floor. Yeah, I was, I was like, a little bit afraid, dude, when, when uh, the dude finally came out, and they're like, they're like, put your hands up, get on your knees. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> Shit's going down. So I, like, got on my floor. I was like, because, you know, you always hear about the stories of stray bullets going through oh, houses yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And like I said, I, I live near the Detroit area. I used to live in Detroit. Now I live outside of it in Metro Detroit. Yeah, that shit happens all the time, man. We see on the news like small kids getting caught by stray bullets. It's it's really it sucks. 
so yeah, so um, I guess they they got him, you know, they arrested him and stuff, and everything's okay now, yeah, but th- this went on for like an hour at least, and yeah, so the reason I couldn't see the other cop cars, because they were like on, down the street from me. Yeah, to prevent other cars from coming in. Yeah, they were blocking off streets, and apparently that's where the shit was going down, because this house is, um, it's hard to explain, it's like, it's like on the next half a block next to me, it's also one of the corner houses. Okay. And apparently this guy that was doing the shit, he, he is also the same guy that fucking zooms the up and down my street. It's that dude? Yeah, oh, on a God. quad. Yeah, the guy who's on the quad who just like will randomly just like drag race himself, like running stop signs all up and down the street. Fucking I hate this guy, dude. He's so annoying. We've heard him a few times when we were doing our recordings. Yeah, so it doesn't surprise me that this asshole fucking was holding a little girl hostage. You know, fuck that piece of shit. Yeah, just taser that guy's balls like three times in a row. Just get the hell with him. Do some bad things to him, man. Please. So that was essentially my weekend, a hostage situation right outside my house. So yeah, interesting. Very, very interesting. But uh, anyway, Mike, like, so what's what's new? What's happening in your life? Any uh, hostage situations or anything like that? No, 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 no. The only hostage situation I've experienced recently was in the Spider-Man video game. That's it. But other than that, no, nothing that crazy. But I decided to go to GameStop recently because I wanted to trade in Luigi's Mansion 3. Yes, I got rid of it. And uh, Minecraft for the PS3. And I wasn't aware of this, but they were doing a trade-in deal, so I got a little bit extra, more than I should have gotten. So I think I netted around $50 in store credit, so I was really happy about that. They gave me 38 for Luigi's Mansion 3. And that's really good, because most of the time you'll see that game for $40 brand new. So that's a really good trade-in value. Yeah, I'm not really sure how you swung that. Yeah, I don't know. They just said, oh, there's a couple promotions happening, and I didn't ask. I was like, all right, whatever, cool. So yeah, they were finishing up the trade deal, and I noticed something in the background. I saw the official Microsoft wireless headset, and I'm like, do I want to buy that? It would only be like 50 bucks, then plus tax, of course. I'm like, you know what? The hell with it. I'm going to get it. So I got it, brought it home, and I took it out of the packaging. And by the way, very nice packaging. Microsoft really knows how to package their shit. I, I don't know. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I actually thought the packaging was kind of like bare bones. Like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Well, I liked how the box opened and everything, but I, I guess, yeah. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. You know, after experiencing the PS5 and the, how I, that thing is packaged, I think anything is an upgrade because <laughs> that thing had the eight cartons around the PS5. It looked like eight cartons. I'm like, what the hell's this? <laughs> I liked how it was packaged, but I think like the materials were kind of cheap it was kind of similar like that um carton but it did it did fit in there nicely though like you know i, I have pictures up on our uh, twitter and facebook but yeah no it fit in there pretty nice because we were just talking about this last week because i got the headset and i was trying it out and i like it and uh, I, I turned mike onto it but um he's gonna tell us right now what he thought about it yeah yeah so i i set it up you know i synced it up to the xbox series x and I'm like, yeah, I'm all ready to go. All right, let's put this thing on. I put it on, and uh, you know, it's kind of stiff at first. I'm like, all right, well, it's a new headset. Let me break it in. I'm like, all right, let me extend it all the way. Pulled both ear cups all the way down. 
I feel the padding on the top, and it is a little firm, but I guess it's probably going to soften over time. So, all right, put it back on my head. And then I decided to just play for like two hours. You know, ah, just leave it on. It'll soften up. That wasn't a good idea because it started to create this intense tension headache around the, you know, the top of my head and around the side and the temples and everything. And I'm like, what is going on? And I took them off and then I'm like, I, I got to take some aspirin. This is killing me. So I went to go take two aspirins, got some ice stuck in on my head. Yeah, this has never happened to me before with a headset. So I decide to not use them the rest of the night and try them in the morning. So I went to sleep. I woke up. I still had that tension headache. I'm like, what the hell? And I had to take like two more aspirins. I even had a little bit of coffee, Jacques, and I don't drink, I mean, coffee with caffeine, because I usually just drink decaf, and I'm like, I need a little something extra, because, you know, caffeine can help with headaches. I'm like, all right, I'm going to drink this shit. And then it went away. So I was like, all right, I think I'm good now. Later in the day, I decided to put them back on, and then 15, 20 minutes later, it started happening. I'm like, what is going on with this headset? Because it's weird, because it doesn't feel tight on my head. And my ears felt a little strange, but the cushions on the wireless on the Microsoft wireless headsets are really nice. It's made out of this like uh, leathery foam material. I don't know if it's real leather, but it feels like leather. Yeah, I doubt it's real leather, but they are super soft. That's why I'm so surprised to hear this because I actually thought that there's a ton of padding on these headsets and I thought they're one of the most comfortable headsets I've ever felt. But for you, it's the the top band that's causing an issue. The uh, ear cushions feel great. They're like marshmallows on your ear. I was like, wow, like I love it. But there's just this pressure and it keeps getting worse. I'm like, I'm like, it can't just be the band because it doesn't feel that firm. So I was like, the hell with this. I'm bringing it back to GameStop. That's it. Like, I, I, this, I'm not going to force myself through this pain because I have cysts on my brain. And I get migraines a lot. I'm like, I'm not going to add on top of that. Like, no, for some reason, these things are just not working with my head. It's not compatible. Let me go bring them back. So I bring them back to the store and the guy working there um, was very, very helpful. Most of the time in retail stores, the people working there don't know what the hell they have and what, what it does. And I don't know if you've experienced that at Best Buy or some places. They don't know what the hell they're talking about. Oh, yeah. Trust me. I, I know. Yeah, you're totally right. Well, when I used to work at, um, I think it was Echo Hardware, I, I didn't really know shit about shit. But the thing is, they just throw you out there and expect you to kind of just know what you're talking about. So I was like on the sales floor and people would just come up to me and be like, oh, like, so shit, what's the difference between like uh, this paint and this other paint? Or, and I'm just like, I think one time I just like made something up and just bullshitted my way through it. Well, this one's light blue and this one is an aqua blue. <laughs> and this one will stay on the wall longer. No, I, I might have even accidentally given somebody just like the, a base or something with, and not what they're looking for. So yeah, anyway, point is, yeah, people just kind of don't know what they're talking about a lot of time at these stores. All right, we go back to the guy at GameStop. So I brought the headset over to him. I was like, dude, I, I can't wear these. Like, they're killing me. Literally, they're putting so much pressure and pain on my head. And I don't know why it's doing that because it because when I have it on my head, it doesn't feel super tight. So I'm like, what's going on? He's like, let me look at those. So he looks at them and he notices something right away. He looks at my head and then he looks at the head. So he's like, okay. I know what's going on. Now, I don't know if you have your headset by you, Jacques. Do you have the, the Xbox headset by you? 
I don't have it in my hands, but I'm pretty familiar with what they feel like. So you can just go ahead and uh, okay. tell me. So you know where the main cushion is on the top, where the band is. If you slide your finger over to the left or right and keep going until you feel hard, thick plastic, those are the two sections he was showing me. He said some people's heads are a certain shape. And if the, if you have that kind of shaped head, it's going to hit those two hard objects. And I didn't realize it at the time. And I put him on. He's like, he told me to put him on. And I was like, oh, you know, you're right. It is. My head skull is hitting the hard plastic areas. And most headsets I put on my head, they don't do that. There's always like a gap between there. But for these, it was pressing right up against the skull. And he said, that's what's causing the tension headache. Then he pointed to the top of the, you know, the, the head cushion, you know, the, the, the strip on the top. He said, it's too firm on this headset. So you, when you combine all these things, it's causing like this pressure all around my skull. So I went and checked out my Xbox wireless headset when you said that. And it's funny because I pegged the exact issue. I was like, I bet it's these hard plastic pieces right next to the, mm -hmm. the cushion on the band. Yeah. And that's exactly what it was. So I could totally see how those like would push into your head if you have a certain shape. For me, they're not an issue. It, that's the thing with headsets is everybody's head shape is different. I like shoes. Yeah. So it's like you can't you can't really take somebody's word for it. You just have to try them out yourself. So he took them back and he just said, oh, we'll just say they're defective. So I was like, all right, well, what headset can I get? He was trying to get me to get the Astro A20s. I think that's the ones he was pointing at. They're like around 200, I think. But I told the guy, I'm like, bro. I don't want to spend $200 on a headset because now we're getting into the high end territory. I don't really want to drop that much cash. Like, is there something that's similar to the Microsoft wireless headset? So he took a minute and thought about it. And he's like, the razors, the Kairos, they have the exact same features. They just don't have, you know, the fancy turn dials that's on the uh, Microsoft one, which I love, by the way, that's an awesome, cool feature. Um, so he's like, yeah, this is the one. And I was like, all right, what's the damage? Because I don't think it's going to be $100. He said, well, it's $150, but it's actually on sale for $119.99 right now. So I was like, yes, I want to get those. So he went in the back to go grab one, and then he realized they didn't have any in stock. I'm like, ah, shit. So he ordered me one off the website, and I just got it today. So kudos to the guy at that GameStop for helping me out. And explaining to me the pros and cons of each headset. And he completely steered me away from Turtle Beach. He said, don't get the Turtle Beach stealths because they are known to snap at the uh, bands. And it makes sense because I had the old Turtle Beaches on the 360 back in the day. And those things broke left and right. Well, that's good that you found someone who could actually help you who knew what they were talking about. Yeah, thank God. Because I wasn't aware of these uh, these Razer Kyra Pros. So I, I got them today, and I've been using them for a little bit. I'll probably give you more thoughts about it next week, because I've only used it for a couple of hours. But right off the bat, it feels a lot more comfortable. The cushion on the top feels very soft. The cups are oval and not the, uh, what would you call the ones on the Microsoft ones? I mean, they're just more circular. And I think I prefer the oval ones because I like how my ear can just go in the cup 
instead of the headset just putting a lot of pressure on my like cartilage on the ear and all that i hate that yeah i think probably most people's ears are better fitted for oval shaped cups because your ears are probably more longer than they are they're not perfectly circular so yeah you know after a few hours on those i could say they're a hell of a lot more comfortable but it still has that new stiff feeling and that's normal with every headset you get you you got to break it in but yeah I, i absolutely love the headphones they sound great the build quality is strong doesn't feel cheap. You are. You'll have to post pictures. Yeah, I will. I will post pictures. Uh, I oh, I forgot to mention this before. I took the Microsoft headset back. I made this like MacGyver contraption around the rim of the band. I put all this extra cushions and shit. It's hilarious. I took a picture of it. I'll post it on Instagram. <laughs> but even with all of that, it still felt a little uncomfortable. Yeah, I, I saw that you got like a you had like paper towel and rubber bands and shit all around it, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I used foam cushions <laughs> and um, some super soft plastic bags that you got inside the uh, Series X, where you know where the controllers in and all that. So I just kind of like rolled all that up and stuck it on the band. But um, like we've been saying, just it's everybody's different. Everybody's head shape is different. And when you're researching headsets, you really just have to figure out what your priorities are. Is your priority comfortability? Is it like sound quality? Is it like the the um, multimedia functions? Is it like, what is it? And then you have to just weigh the pros and cons. So, and obviously price point is a big issue too. Like, you know, my Xbox wireless headset was a hundred bucks. I thought that was a pretty good price for me. Mike got, would you say you got your Kyra's for it was one nineteen ninety nine. It was on sale. They normally go for one hundred and fifty bucks. Yeah, so there you go. That's like some pretty good like mid tier headsets right there. Once you start getting up over like one fifty to two hundred, that that's like a little bit too much for me. Two hundred dollars, you can buy a switch light. Yeah, yeah, no shit. So um, I don't know if you heard about this, Mike, but there's a Ratchet and Clank free DLC coming to Rocket League. <laughs> Wait, come again, Rocket League? Yes, free Ratchet and Clank DLC coming to Rocket League. Uh, let's see, what's actually uh, by the time this releases, it's already out. So hmm. uh, it comes out August eighteenth. So yeah, it's already out when this is our podcast is out, and it's going to include like toppers, rocket trails, like all decals, uh, Ratchet and Clank stuff. You know, you'll have like the little Ratchet topper, Clank topper. And it also is going to include uh, four, included in the update, I think, is going to be like a 4K60 mode for Rocket League. And also you can switch to a different mode where it's like 120 frames, uh, but it's only like 70% 4K, which is still amazing. But yeah, and this is only on PS5 and PS4, PS5, by the way, because obviously Ratchet's not coming to Xbox. <laughs> no, no, no. But um, yeah, so I thought that was pretty cool. I, I would definitely go check out that online. You know, I occasionally jump back into Rocket League because we played the shit out of that when it came out for like the first couple of years. I still play it once in a while, but it's still really fun. So I think I'll jump back in just to check that stuff out. And then uh, also... You know, we don't. We just don't talk about Xbox Game Pass enough. I, I don't know why we don't include it more. We in should the just show. have the here's the Xbox Game Pass section on the <laughs> podcast. Here's, I mean, no, that's not. You know, that's that's an idea. 
We do talk about it a lot. No, no, no. I'm just joking. I don't want an Xbox Game Pass section, please, for the love of God. Don't do that, (laughs) Josh. We talk about it enough. I know that would piss off a lot of fanboys, which we'll talk about later. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, um, out on Game Pass right now, by the time this releases, is the indie game 12 Minutes, which I think you're interested in that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so it uh, it stars uh, Daisy Ridley, uh, Willem Dafoe, and why am I blanking on the other guy's name? Wait, well, well, I didn't know Daisy Ridley was in this. Oh, yeah, you didn't know that? No. Yeah, okay, James McAvoy, that's who I was thinking of. I don't know why I couldn't think of his name. Yeah, James McAvoy, Daisy Ridley, and Willem Dafoe are the main three stars, which is like a pretty fucking stellar cast for an indie game. Like, that's kind of crazy. That's their whole budget right there. That's why it's only 12 minutes. <laughs> it's set up like a loop, though. It's supposed to be like, I don't want to say roguelike. I'm not really sure how. It's more of a narrative game. So it's like, but it's going to be told in 12 minute increments. Like, I think you have to solve some kind of murder. But like, basically, it just keeps, you know, you go the 12 minutes and then you die or something. And then it loops back and you just keep, you know, it's like that live, die, repeat thing. And you just have, you have those 12 minutes to kind of figure out what the hell is actually going on as the narrative unfolds. So it sounds pretty cool. And it's coming day one to, or it's already on Game Pass day one. So. You know, go check it out. And finally, I wanted to talk about Gamescom because it's coming next week. It's approaching fast, so much so that I even forgot about it up until today. So uh, Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, April or April. What the fuck am I talking about? April? April? Get out of the time machine, Jacques. <laughs> um, yeah, no, August, August 24th, this Tuesday, Xbox is going to have a showcase now, they said they're not going to show anything new, like, they're not going to announce anything new, so it's all going to be games that have been previously announced, they're just going to be showing updates on it. Oh, by the way, that's at, uh, Jesus Christ, let me, let me check my notes. Yeah, so the Xbox Showcase is Tuesday at 1pm Eastern, so mark that down. And the following day, Wednesday, August 25th, is going to be Jeff Keighley's two-hour opening night live showcase and that's going to be at 2 p.m eastern so we on our next episode we will be talking about those things that'll probably be the bulk of the episode actually so look look forward to that and uh yeah that's that's not, that's pretty much about it for our intro so yeah we can move on to what we're playing mike uh we we haven't been playing too much but no. we'll kind of give little updates on games we're playing uh, and I have been playing one game a lot, that, and that is Hades. So I don't know how you want to do this if mm-hmm. you want me to talk about Hades first or last. Well, you brought it up. You might as well go. Okay, sure. Yeah, why not? Kick it off, yeah. Yeah, so Hades, <laughs> it's fucking awesome, man. It really is. Uh, there's a reason why this game has been getting Game of the Year awards, and uh, people have been praising it for like almost a year now. The game knows what it wants to be. So it is a roguelike, so I know some people are scared off by roguelikes. This is actually the most accessible roguelike I've ever played. Hmm. So if you have been afraid to try them, this is the roguelike to try. It's not too cumbersome. It's it's not too much systems to learn. It's very streamlined, but it's still very, very deep, too. Like, the more you go through the game, they, they just unveil more and more stuff that 
um, just keeps you wanting to play more. Like, the gameplay loop is so addictive. What would you compare it to? Like, what what, what does it play like? Can you think of a different game that's like it? It's like top-down isometric, so it's not like Dead Cells or anything like that, where it's side-scrolling. But you kind of, you go through like these, what's called chambers, or like um, encounters, I guess they call them, is just rooms, basically. You know, each room you go into, there's going to be certain different enemies, and then you clear that room and you move on, and you get to choose your path as you move on. They'll give you an option between like two or three different paths you can take. And the actual art style, too, is so good. Like, I just love the art in this. This game is beautiful. And it it really just enhances everything. The music is so good. It's got these, like, bass lines during the the lulls in gameplay, like after you've defeated enemies that I just love. Um, I'm a sucker for a good bass line, so, (laughs) you know, they slap that bass. They slap that ass? No, bass. Slapping the bass, man. Slapping oh, the bass. bass. Yeah, my, my volume's low, sorry. I mean, I'm sure you could slap some ass in there, too. I, it is a pretty horny game. Like, because you're talking about the Greek uh, pantheon of gods. So, um, you know, you've got Aphrodite, the goddess of love. Dionysus, the god of wine. Uh, yeah, it gets pretty, uh, gets pretty spicy sometimes. The upgrades are so satisfying, too. And like I said, it's very streamlined. So, so you're not, you're not going to be lost. Like, they explain everything pretty well. Like, each god will give you boons, is what they're called. You know, basically just, like, power-ups or abilities. And you can upgrade those power-ups as you go on. It's a typical roguelike. You know, you can buy stuff, stuff in stores uh, with money you collect and... It doesn't do anything crazy different from other roguelikes, but it just does everything so well. The The one thing that I think is very different than a lot of roguelikes I've seen, though, is this has a heavy story element to it. Well, that's good. I've never been less angry when I die in a roguelike than this game. You never get mad because you get put right back to your hub area, and that's where a lot of the story unfolds. So you're always looking forward to it, actually, to get more story elements. A little bit of a reward. You know, hey, I died, but get a little bit more story now. Yeah, totally. No, that's exactly what it is. So, yeah, it's cool. It's So, you're basically, you play this character, Zagreus, who is the son of Hades, and you're you're trying to break out of hell, or Hades. Um, and that's that's the setup, really. It's pretty simple. But, you, you know, as along the way, you meet all these gods, and, you know, they, they, they give you things. And he, he's trying to, you start to realize there's a little bit more to the story as it goes on. Like it's so, I, I've only played, uh, I've been playing it for a few days. So I have not beaten, I have not cleared, I guess is what you would call it. I have not made a clear yet, which is like a one entire run from beginning to end. Um, but I have made it to the end where you fight Hades. The game is not crazy difficult. Um, like I said, the gameplay loop is very rewarding. Like, if you've never played roguelikes, you're going to die a lot, so don't get discouraged. That's part of the design. Like, you're going to die, so you you get slow upgrades over time. But the thing with this game is the progression carries over a lot. Like, a lot of your progression carries over. So you're always feeling rewarded. So you're never really angry. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I'm trying. This game is just—it's really good. It deserves a lot of the awards that it's getting. I can't wait for you to try it. Oh yeah, I'm gonna play it. Don't worry. I don't know when I'm gonna play it, but I'm gonna play it. I have it downloaded. Just want to get 
past Assassin's Creed and one or two other games, and then after that, I might check it out. This will give you an idea of how good it is. I was talking to our buddy, Sean, and uh, he said, because he's also playing it, and he said that, well, he said the Binding of Isaac is still his undisputed number one favorite roguelike, but he said this Hades might be tied for second with Slay the Spire. Really? Okay. All right. That says a lot. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd go that far just because I am such a Slay the Spire stan. But we'll see once I get further into this. Because they're, they're very different, too. Come on, Jock. Something's got to dethrone that game at some point. Maybe. But the difference is this is very, like, action-focused, which is cool. It's it's different. Like, the, the, the abilities are very fun to use. You know, you have all kinds of different weapons and stuff you can choose from, which do different things. Slay the Spire is more of like turn based, so which I also enjoy. Yeah, it's a card game. Yeah, card game. So they're just very different. Yeah, but I just thought like, wow, that's that's like high praise from Sean, who plays a lot of these roguelikes, roguelites, and it's on Xbox Game Pass. Every time you say Xbox Game Pass, Jacques, you should take a shot. Oh no, 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 no. Well, first of all, I don't really drink. Okay, well, take a shot of a monster. How about that? I'm more of the uh, marijuana guy, but no. I, I Anything <laughs> that I could do would probably kill me if I had to do something every time I mentioned Game Pass. So, <laughs> But, uh, Mike, yeah, so uh, what are you playing? Still playing Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I'm 44 hours in now, and I think I'm in the third act. I'm not 100% sure, but it, it feels like the third act. Could be a lot more to the game. I don't know. I guess I'll... Well, of course there's more. There's side quests and all that. But story-wise, I just don't know. Because this game just keeps going and going and going. Like the damn Energizer battery. It's just... It's just too long. I'm sorry. I know some of the fans like it that long. I don't... I prefer the 20-25-hour Assassin's Creed games from back in the day. It's not short. It's not long. It's just a nice bite-sized open-world game, but now there's like a billion things to do, and the map is massive, and it just feels like it never ends. Yeah, it's artificially bloated, like a lot of yeah. these. All these like new Assassin's Creed games, it, Ubisoft just bloats the hell out of them, man. I mean, I enjoyed Odyssey a lot, but yeah, it was way too long, and I heard Valhalla's even longer, which is insane. There's a really good game in Valhalla, but it's just surrounded by tons of shit that you have to do. And and if you're one of those people who like, oh, look, what's that? Oh, question mark. We go over there. You'll have a hard time finishing the story if you keep doing that. If you keep deviating and going away from the main campaign. Yeah, I don't do that. I try to play as much as the main campaign as possible. I do a side mission here and there. But I strictly just focus on the story. Now, sometimes I have to go do other things because the next story mission is too high of a level and I have to get my guy higher up or, or I should say my girl higher up because I'm playing as Ivor um, or Avor. I'm sorry. That's her name. Avor. I'm enjoying it, but I kind of just want to move on because it's like I beat four 10 hour games now. Now I, I like playing 50, 60 hour games. I mean, here and there that, the, you know, horizons zero dawn was like a 45, 50 hour game and that's fine. But I come from the old Assassin's Creed fan base. I just, I don't want it to be that long. <laughs> I just, I don't. 
Yeah, it's funny too because we were just talking about backlogs last week. So it's like, and this is preventing you from getting to your backlog. Yeah, I know. But I got to beat it because I beat all the other Assassin's Creed games. Every single one. I even beat the uh, Chronicles games, those side-scrolling ones. So I got to do it. But yeah, other than Assassin's Creed Valhalla, I beat Yoshi's Crafted World. I'm really not going to go into it too much because I talked about it a lot last week. Just listen to episode 14. You'll hear a lot of my thoughts there. But yeah, I I still feel the same way. I I really like it. But there's one thing I don't like about the game. Uh, When you get towards the end, it forces you to go back to the other levels that you've already played and get some more collectible, the sunflowers. Uh, You have to get more of those to like progress. I hate stop gaps in games where it's like, I want to continue the story, but like, uh -uh, no, 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 no. You got to go do that. Then come back later. But I got to the end, beat the final boss. It's Bowser Jr. You fight him and uh, yeah, I'm done. Sent it back to Gamefly and I just canceled Gamefly right before the podcast. They didn't give me another extra month. So that's it. Now I can finally focus on my backlog. But other than those two games, I haven't really been playing anything because I've been very busy this week. So I only put five hours into Yoshi's Crafted World and only a couple hours in Assassin's Creed. So, Mike, there are a couple things we both played and you're forgetting. Well, I meant like by myself games. I'm sorry. Yeah, there there's a few nights where we did play some other shit. Yeah. We played back for blood. Well, we played more back for blood. A little bit, yeah. Um, you know, the last weekend that the beta was available, but this time we played a little more of the versus mode that we didn't get to previously because we couldn't find matches. Like everybody would quit, and it was just the matchmaking was weird. But this time we at least found like two other people, so we did this like two v two thing. And I gotta say, I just do not enjoy this versus mode at all. It's garbage. I hate it. I stand by that. It sucks. It's repetitive. It doesn't feel fun. Even when you're the infected, I just, it feels very rushed. There's not much to it. It's like heavily stacked against the cleaners. The mode heavily favors the, uh, the ridden, which I don't like cause you're in such a small area and it was even worse cause there was only two of us. It's supposed to be four V four, I believe, which would have maybe been a little bit better. But you're in such a confined area and you just have all of these ridden coming after you. And then you have the, the specials on top of that. And it's just like, I just didn't find it fun at all. It's it's nothing compared to the campaign. Seems like just a, a garbage throw-in mode. And I'm really mad that they're not going to include a PvP campaign. Nope. They came out and said it. Yeah, like Turtle Rock came out with some... BS excuse, it sounded like to me. I mean, I, who knows if it's, you know, there's truth to it, but they were just saying something about how, like, the design of the Ridden, how they ambush and things like that, like, didn't allow them to, to do a PvP campaign. It, it didn't make any sense to me. That is bullshit. Because the special infected and Left 4 Dead were like that. I mean, they had the advantage. Like, they could set up traps and, you know, they can ambush you like really fast if you're not careful and you know that was just part of the game so sorry i i I don't buy that that's a lame-ass excuse i mean maybe the the person who's saying that just wasn't explaining it well enough or i'm not really sure but the way i feel is if they realize during development that 
it wasn't working with the PvP, they should have shifted as quickly as possible and made it work. Because I guarantee you they could make it work. But for some reason, they uh, they just didn't shift in time or they didn't feel it was a priority, which is crazy because that mode was ultra popular in Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2. Didn't they also bring up the card system? Like it would be unbalanced with the card system. Yeah, or something? I think that was another reason. Like another reason why I hate the card system. Like burn in hell. Yeah, I'm like, well, man, if the cards prevented them from uh, getting PvP campaign in there, like fuck the cards, man, take that shit out. Yeah, I, I don't get it, man. That's just super disappointing. It's a shame because I really like the uh, campaign levels and all that. I think it's really fun. It feels like a more uh, advanced version of Left 4 Dead in every way, except for the cards. Sorry, I'm 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 always gonna bash on the cards because I just I just don't like them. Yeah, I don't think the cards are bad, but like I just think yeah, if 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 we uh <laughs> if we're getting the cards in lieu of the campaign PvP, that I I am mad about. So I would rather you them ditch the cards. Here's the thing about Left 4 Dead: you pick your character, you pick the campaign. And then you just start the game, and then boom, okay, grab grab the, the Uzi, grab the shotgun, grab the men pack, okay, run out the door. It, it's just, it's a lot more simple. With this, it's just like, all right, got all these cards, you gotta build your deck, you gotta pick which cards you want, you know, I'm like, now there's some improvements. I like the whole, you know, crate in the beginning where you can upgrade, you can buy guns and upgrade stuff and that. That's cool, I like that. But just, I just feel the card system is just unnecessary, like it doesn't really need to be there. I don't really understand how they can't make this PvP campaign work, because why not just have it so the people playing the Ridden can also choose cards, make up a whole separate deck for the, the Ridden? Like, I don't understand what is so crazy that they can't make this work. That yeah. Why do they feel like they didn't need that mode? Yeah, it's it's just really weird that they're not including it, but, you know, we, we've gone on enough about this. But, um, so anyway, we played some more of Zombie Army 4 together. That's right. Yeah, same night. Yeah, because speaking of Left 4 Dead, they released Left 4 Dead 2 skins for that game, so we wanted to check those out, and um, I had, like, one more campaign to beat the game on there, so we just went ahead and knocked that out. And we've never actually talked about the game in depth on here, so we can maybe talk about it for a little bit. I really, really like this game a lot. Underrated. Yeah, it's, it totally is. Like, I didn't expect much from a game called Zombie Army 4. It's crazy. It's super underrated. Plays a lot like Left 4 Dead, uh, except it's... Um, third person. Yeah, it's third person instead of first person. But you can tell, like, obviously they have the Left 4 Dead 1 and 2 skins on there, so they, they know, like, where they're taking inspiration from, and they're pretty honest about that. But, uh, yeah, you're pretty much just people taking on... Uh, I don't even know quite what the story is. It's like Nazis or Hitler who... Yeah, they're trying to resurrect Hitler. Yeah. There's like so, there's a lot of like uh, supernatural like magic involved. Of, you know, it's it's very cool. I, I like the atmosphere of it. It's gritty. Like, it's very gory, but there's a lot of camp to it as well, which I like. So a lot like how Left 4 Dead was. It's pretty good. I don't know. Would you say you like this better than World War Z? Hmm... There's definitely things about it I like more than World War Z. Mechanically, no. Map-wise, yes. Oh, that's tough, though, because both those games have really good features, and they're great for different reasons. But then again, I put more time into Zombie Army, so that says something. Yeah, definitely. 
they have an extensive DLC for this Zombie Army 4 game that we have not played yet. Oh yeah, tons of campaigns. I, I'm hoping they go on sale at some point because I want to play them. But if you're looking for like just a, a fun time with your friends, you know, it's a four-player co-op, so and you want to shoot some shit, yeah, man, definitely check this out. Now, some of you might have it because it was a Plus game uh, a few months back, so you probably added it to your library and then just never downloaded it. I was just going to say that, yeah, it was a PS Plus game. So, yeah, if you stored this in there, like you should with all games, you know, because you don't have to download them. You can just put them in your library in case you one day want to play them. Um, Yeah, if you have this in there, download it, check it out. Get some friends to play with you. Uh, Yeah, so let's see. The only other game that I've played a little bit of, I started Mass Effect 3 finally. It's about damn time, Shock. <laughs> I, I just got sidetracked by a lot of other stuff, and I was like, you know what, I need to start this game. And I've been looking forward to it, too. It's not like I have been avoiding it. So I, I didn't play much. I just played the opening because then Hades came out and I'm distracted with that now. But I, I am going to get back to Mass Effect 3 this week. So yeah, that that opening is just, it's really cool, man. It's its like War of the Worlds. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed right away this is probably the most cinematic Mass Effect game. Other than that, like I can't really comment because it's, it's like I'm, I'm so early and it's it's very similar to like Mass Effect 2 so far. So, but yeah, man, I'll, I'll talk about that next week, hopefully. And um, yeah, I think that concludes our what we're playing section. Uh, we can move on over to our topic, which I hinted at earlier. Our topic is fanboys and how much they suck. <laughs> That's all we have to say. All right, moving on. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah, good, good topic. Good talk, Mike. No, but I just, I wanted to talk about this because I, I spend a decent amount of time on Twitter and Twitter is just a hellhole for fanboyism. And it's like, I try to avoid it as much as possible. Like, I don't get into arguments with people and I only try to post like mainly positive things and try to foster that type of atmosphere. But even, even so, even with all that, like somehow, I don't know what the algorithm is, but it wants to force all this tribalistic bullshit down my throat. And I'm so fucking tired of it. It's always fucking Xbox versus PlayStation. And I'm just like, why are you guys tying your identities to these brands? Like, who cares? I like them all for different reasons. And every single one of them does stupid shit. And I will call that out. I hate how they think like they they feel like they have to bleed for the company like they they put their lives on the line for the for this corporation. I'm just like, what the like what are you doing? Constructive criticism is good. And that's one thing that really bothers me with fanboys. If you come in with constructive criticism to try to make the company better, they will attack you out of nowhere. They'll just come from the dark holes of society and fight you to the death. And I just don't get it. The way I describe it is it's like a dick measuring contest, with, but with other people's dicks. You're grabbing Sony's and be like, here, see, look, it's that long. I'll show you here. I'll extend it some more for you. Yeah, it's like you're 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 <laughs> you're holding other dudes dicks and comparing them like then you're you're tying that to your own self-worth. And I'm just like, there's nothing more beta male than that. It's just really sad. Yeah, I, I bet there's people that listen to this podcast and they, they hear us talk about everything, you know, Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox, yeah. and they're probably getting mad at us. Like, 
you know, thinking we're uh, calling us shills or fanboys or whatever. But it's like, no, man, we, we talk about all the companies. We talk about the positives, the negatives. I don't tie my identity to any company. Like I want those companies to succeed in as far as I want them to be profitable enough to keep making the games that I want to play. And get better and improve on your weaknesses. If anybody from Nintendo is listening, fix your online. It sucks. I love the damn Switch, but my God, your online infrastructure is so ancient and broken. See, there's a good example. You can love something. You can appreciate something. You can be a fan of something. But at the same time, you got to throw in some constructive criticism here and there. You can't let these companies just get away with everything. Fanboys just take it to an extreme. I really do think it's an immaturity, and that has nothing to do with age. I mean, maybe a little bit with age, because obviously when you're younger, you just don't have as much experience. And it's even more sad, yeah, when you get the, the people who are older and they're they're still immature. I don't know what you have to do to get through to them, because clearly they're broken inside. It's, you know, if you want to delve into the psychology of fanboys, it's... Yeah, they just, they tie their self-worth. It's all ego-driven. Mm -hmm. They don't do well with opposition or different opinions because they want to protect their ego. They have not opened themselves up to different opinions. Since they tie that to their self-worth, they take any criticism at all towards the thing they love. They take that as a personal attack. It's kind of similar to things like religion, too. That's That's, that's a huge problem I have with religion is like, or anything. A lot of really. fanboyism going on there. Yeah, it's like you just, when you tie your personality, your self-worth, everything, you tie it to these 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 fucking things. That's us versus them. Yeah, and then it becomes so tribalistic, man. You, It's like these people have to grow the fuck up and realize that you exist outside of the things you like. I don't know what else to say. It's just so infuriating. Well, just to bring up toys, you know the the, the April O'Neil figure I showed you recently, Jacques from NECA, the TMNT figure. You saw those knees, right? Yeah, they were d horrible. It's very hard to explain, but if you look at the knees on this figure, guys, look it up. It's the NECA Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles April O'Neil movie figure. Look it up and look at those knees and tell me if that looks right. I'm pretty sure most of you are gonna say, "Whoa, wait a minute." You don't have to know a lot about toys and figures. You're, you're going to notice it immediately that something's wrong. Now, the fanboys and some of the NECA groups I'm in, they still defend it. They're like, well, just, you know, just fix it yourself or, you know, come on, just be happy that you got this character and just, just deal with it. I'm just like, but it's still shit. We have to tell them it's not good. So in the future, they don't do that again. It just, yeah, then the same thing in video games. I mean, you get the same kind of people. The fanboys are everywhere. It's, it's annoying. Yeah, it is. And it's like the larger the community grows, the more those types of people it draws in. That's why like over time when things get bigger, you see the community start to degrade. It's always like little inane things that they, they get on too. Because like here's some things recently on Twitter that's been going around like uh, Hades, you know, people have been, these fanboys have been going back and forth about the sales numbers from PlayStation and Xbox. 93% of the games Hades sold was on PlayStation 4 or 5, and only 7% of the sales were on Xbox. And they're like, oh, that's proof that Game Pass doesn't uh, drive sales outside of Game Pass. And 
I'm just like, well, regardless of if that's true or not, first of all, like a lot of these arguments are so simplified that they're missing a lot of context that we probably don't even know about that they have certain numbers behind the scenes. But even regardless, like who fucking cares? You know, like why does it matter? Why does that make you feel better about yourself? Because the brand you like sold more money, sold more copies and made more money. A lot of these fanboys, Jock, they only own one of these consoles. They only own the PlayStation. They only own the Xbox. Now, when they decide to get both consoles, I notice the fanboyism in them just starts to die. It just goes away. But it's true. Do you know of anybody, Jacques, that has both consoles that's a fanboy just on one, one of the sides? Do you know anybody like that? I don't. I can't think off the top of my head. I would think it would be almost impossible. A lot of the time with these uh, fanboys, and like, like you said, a lot of them are young, they can only afford one of them sometimes. And then when they get that system, they, they automatically just shit on the competitor. They try to justify their purchase. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But, but they don't, they're too immature to realize, like, you can, like, both things can be true. You know, just because you don't own that one doesn't mean it sucks. Like, they're just trying to protect their ego. It's so hilarious. And then, and then there was another thing, too, where uh, GTA Five recently left Game Pass, and it got a sales boost after that. So it actually started selling more copies after it came off Game Pass. And I'm just like, well, that kind of contradicts the narrative that people are trying to push on one side that game pass doesn't drive sales because everyone was making fun of like i think i don't know if it was phil spencer who said it but he's like yeah we we've seen that uh, game pass can actually drive sales and it stands the reason yeah but i'm thinking well of course in this case yeah there's probably a lot of people who haven't played gta 5 yet i can't imagine who those people are the game has been out for like since 2013 but they probably played it for free on Game Pass, and they're like, oh, this is really fucking fun, so I'm going to buy this. And, you know, I've said before I would buy Slay the Spider if it went off Game Pass. I can totally see how it would drive actual sales. But it's just all these little inane stories that they try to skew the narrative to make their brand look better. And I'm just like, guys, stop it. You're making yourself look foolish. And I feel like, honestly, a lot of the, the media, like games media, like drives this fanboyism because they know that those are the people that are clicking on all the articles. Oh, of course. Yeah. All these fanboys, guys, girls, they're, let's be honest, it's mainly guys. <laughs> like That's why we say fanboys. Oh, I'm sure there's some girls too, but yeah, it's mostly guys. There's probably girls too, but like, let's be honest, man, guys... They have a lot of ego-driven aggression, and especially when you get a lot of these people, these online types who like just don't know how to interact with people. They see Twitter is just they can just spew all their hate on there and just let it all out, and yeah, it's not healthy. Yeah, so another like inane thing that has been going on is like them. I've seen little gifs and videos of people comparing. Uh, things in games like fruit, they're like, oh, this fruit doesn't look very good in this one game, or, or I shoot the glass, I shoot the glass in this one game and it doesn't break. Oh, that's that's proof that this this system's better, this game's better than the other one. And like, I saw one where it was The Last of Us Part Two, and Ellie was like crawling, she was prone, and she was crawling over this uh pool of blood, and the the it didn't leave a streak when she backed out of the blood. 
Oh my god. I'm never gonna play that game again now. That just ruined it for me. The streak of blood did not go across the ground. Yep. That's pretty much a deal breaker, man. It's it's so unrealistic. Alright. For the Xbox fanboys out there, and I'm not trying to shit on Xbox. This is just for the fanboys. The Last of Us Part 2 is better than most of your exclusives. That is just a fact. Your single-player exclusives. We'll just keep it single-player. That is just a fact. I know it's subjective, but I'm going to say it's a fact. <laughs> but but we could... The thing is, like, we could say all this stuff over and over, but it doesn't matter to them. They, they're, they're inherently... There's something wrong inside of them that they really probably need to see a therapist and get figured out. And and it's like... Like I said, on here, there, and you've mentioned it, there's a difference between... Like uh, just constructive criticism, and then just like shitting on something for no good reason. Constructive criticism's dying. Oh my god, nuance is dying. I would say it's even dead, actually. Yeah, it's it's everywhere, man. It's just tribalism, is what it is. At the end of the day, it's it's people's egos not in check, and it just get, it gets out of control. But the thing they don't like, you can shit on that all day. It's totally fine. Oh yeah, they'll agree with you and they'll be happy. Yeah. There's one debate I'm so sick of hearing about is the the differences in the hardware between the PS5 and the Xbox Series X and S. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, I'm so... If I hear teraflops one more time, because <laughs> all these Xbox fanboys are just going on about how many teraflops the Xbox has, I'm like, do you guys actually play fucking video games, or do you just bitch about dumb shit like this? It reminds me of the PlayStation 3 where all the Sony fans were like, oh, look at all the power under this thing. Look at that. Look how it's so much more powerful than the 360. And I'm just like, yeah, it is more powerful, but a lot of developers don't know how to use it correctly. That doesn't always mean it's the better system. They roughly do the same thing no matter which generation. They're similarly powered. So I don't even get I don't get this debate. Like, the, the the power, all the fucking hardware shit, that shit even mattered. It's about the games, man. You know what I mean? Do you like the games? And then, and then you get the, the Sony fanboys who are, like, making fun of Game Pass and trying to tear it down. And that's even more crazy because I'm like, dude, Game Pass is objectively awesome. It is one of the best things that has happened to gaming or for gamers, in my opinion. Now, that's not taking into account, like, the future, how it's going to unfold. We'll see. We were talking about this before. Like, it's, you basically have a virtual video store of games you can download. And I'm sorry, but PS Now is just not as good. I'm hoping that Sony can remedy that. They, it seems like they might have something up their sleeve, but we will see. They put a lot of good PS4 games on there, but... The issue I have with that service is all the PS3 games, you can't download them. You have to stream them. And there's a shit ton of PS3 games on there. And there's a lot of them I want to play. Nope, sorry, you got to stream it. I'm telling you, PS Now would be um, so much better if you could just download every single game on there. It is cheaper than Game Pass. I know that that's a counter-argument. You can buy a year of uh, PS Now for 60 bucks. I think a year of regular Game Pass, just regular, not Ultimate, is 120 I do think Game Pass is superior just because of the third-party deals that they get on there. They got Outriders Day 1. They're going to be getting Back for Blood Day 1. All the Microsoft exclusives are on there. Now, I understand why Sony doesn't do that because their games make a shit ton of money. I get it. They're not going to give you Last of Us Part 3 Day 1 on the service. That's just not going to happen. But Microsoft, 
they can afford that. They can take the hit. But with Sony, PlayStation's their bread and butter, so I understand that it's a little bit more delicate. I love PlayStation. It's still my favorite preferred console. But facts are facts. Game Pass is better than PS Now. And there's something else I wanted to mention, too. This this is kind of, like, tangentially related. It's not exactly fanboys, but it's kind of like the similar mindset. So, but yeah, Mike, so I read just recently, uh, are you familiar with that Twitch streamer? She's, like, one of the top female streamers. I think, I don't know how you say her name. It's, like, Amaranth. The name doesn't sound familiar. She recently had a house fire... Like I don't th- I don't know if the whole house like burned. I think it was just like a this isolated section or something. And then the investigators said they have reason to believe it was arson. I, I read this on a like I don't know which site it was. It might have been Kotaku, um, which is a garbage site, by the way. Even more so now because <laughs> fucking that all that media is just dying. Like they're useless and they're 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 dying. Gasp. They're just anyway. Never mind. There's a story, so yeah, the arson, and and I read the comments. I don't know why I went under the comments, but I just scrolled down, and it was just the trash fire. It's all these dudes just saying, like, oh, she probably started it herself to get attention. I'm like, yes, she started her own house on fire, who has her dogs and animals inside of it, and she's her, her plan is to have, like, a... To, use all this money she's getting to build like an animal sanctuary. So I'm like, yeah, she totally just started her house on fire to get attention. Yes, that is the most logical fucking conclusion. That's the internet, Jock. Yeah, but it's just this similar mindset with fanboys, man. They just get a fucking ludicrous conclusion in their mind. And it's all because like they feel threatened by her for whatever reason. I don't know why you would feel threatened by a female streamer. But I think there's a lot of these guys online, you know, you can call them incels, whatever. They feel like women are taking over their space, their hobby or whatever, as if like they own it or you know what I mean? It's yeah. Oh, this is a male thing only. How dare you come in and try to take it from us? Yeah, I, I know the kind of people you're talking about. They're the biggest pieces of shit. Those people need to go outside and walk around for a little bit. They need to turn everything off <laughs> because if that bothers you. You need to go for a long walk and just keep walking for a while until your feet hurt. Yeah, if if you're one of those types of people listening to this right now and you've stuck through all this time, like, please go outside, you know, maybe not even go outside, like maybe just uh, contact a therapist or something, because I've had mental health issues too, and, you know, I think we all are probably dealing with that shit right now. Mm -hmm. Clearly, you are not mentally well. You need some help. Talk to somebody. I think you need to do a lot of introspection. I think that would be a great deal of help to try to get to the root of the problem of why you're so threatened by people who disagree with you or people who you perceive as being a threat to you when they're actually not. I think fanboyism is somewhat acceptable if you're like seven, eight, nine years old. But once you get to a certain age, I'm like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> Grow up. Yeah, because, I mean, I think we all had, like, a little bit of fanboyism in the past, because I know when I only owned an Xbox or Xbox 360, I definitely was, like, more pro, like, Xbox, where I was like, oh, you know, I don't know if I necessarily hated PlayStation, but I was like, oh, PlayStation's not as good, which was ridiculous, because I hadn't even played them. I was just trying to justify the console that I had, 
So yeah, but that's that's more acceptable, like you said, when you're younger. I was like in you know high school. I don't know. Even then, it's probably not accept. It's never acceptable, but you just kind of understand it more. But yeah, dude, a lot of these people online are way too old to be still acting like this. And I think social media has just fed into the worst uh, acts, worst habits of human beings, where we just get so to the extreme of one side because we're the algorithm has just fed this bubble that we're in. And then you, the more you're in it, the more less you notice that you're in this bubble. I, I say this so much, but Twitter and all the social medias, that's not real life. That's such a small fraction, a small representation of most people. So yeah, it's just, you got to be really careful with your social media habits and just think to yourself, like, would I treat somebody like this in real life? If the answer is no, probably don't say the shit online then. So I've pretty much said my piece on that. I'm surprised I didn't get more angry because I really, really dislike fanboys. Yeah, let's not give the fanboys any more oxygen. There's probably a fan, a hardcore fanboy listening to this, and he's like, yeah, he's talking about me. Ha, yeah. Because some of them get off to that. Like, they want that attention. Yeah, that's probably right. That, that's fine. I just, like, hope one day, like I said, I, I hope that they can get help. Less hate in this world is a good thing. But <laughs> now that we've uh, got pretty deep into that, um, I think we should probably move on to something more light and move on to surprise mechanics. Uh, if, if you don't know what this is, because I think I forgot last week to say what it is. You did, but that's okay. So some people might be lost. I, I got to get this in there for the new listeners so they, they're not lost. Surprise Mechanics is the segment we end out the show with every week, and it's basically me and Mike just each bring something to the table, and it is a mystery to both of us until it is revealed, which is why it's called Surprise Mechanics. So, Mike, do you want to go first? What is your surprise mechanic? All right, Jacques, I'm going to give you a choice. Story or movie? Now, these are two surprise mechanics I have floating around in my head. That's all I'm going to say. Story or movie? Well, I think we already probably told enough stories. And since I had a movie review last week of Alien, I kind of want to hear a movie from you. If it is a review, I don't even know. It is not a review, no. So a few episodes ago, we were talking about Dune and what was the other one? 2001 Space Odyssey. That's it. So I was looking around trying to figure out a movie you haven't seen because you've seen a lot of movies like a shit ton of movies i'm trying to find something old i'm looking through and i'm looking through and then i see one and i'm like i don't think he's seen this movie now he's seen a different version of this movie but not this particular one it's the 1960 time machine movie have you seen that movie um, I haven't actually seen it. I saw the the remake, or well, one of the remakes, the one with Guy Pierce. There's just one, yeah. Okay, yeah, I saw that one. Like, like a few episodes ago, we are talking about, oh, like, this doesn't hold up, and blah, 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 and, and everything. This particular movie, the way it was shot is very, very unique, and I really want you to see this, just to hear your thoughts. Now, it is 1960. So keep that in mind. But this movie won an Oscar. Like, it has an Oscar in special effects, which was very hard to win back in the day. Now, the most interesting thing about this film is, of course, the time machine itself. 
a big chunk of the budget was put into the prop that they made. Because before this movie, sci-fi props was just blinking lights with a cardboard cutout or like some dumb well not dumb shit but that's you know that's what they did back in the day but just just stuff like that now george powell the guy who directed the movie he wanted a prop that could function that was very realistic he wanted something very high-end something that hasn't been done before and I, i can't remember the guy that got to design the time machine this thing is way advanced for a 1960 movie like the machine that they built in this because everything on the machine is functional it, it, just like the 2002 movie Jacques, you know that that whole thing that they built the big glass dishes spin and everything and like everything is functional on that which is cool I'm, i appreciate they did that in the new movie but in that old film there's just something about that machine that they made it has a awesome victorian design steampunk looking this was before steampunk was a thing and yeah, I just I'm curious what you think about this movie. Now, you know, there's things that are very dated about it, but but yeah, it's it's really the the, the machine. Like that is one of the most unique props ever made in a movie. And it's always in lists. Like when people say what's the best movie props, it's always in lists. Like you always see it show up because it was very ahead of its time. So yeah, I want you to watch this movie. Now, it doesn't matter when. You can watch whenever you want. No time limit. But yeah, at some point, I want you to check this movie out, and I want to hear your thoughts. Well, Mike, I have to ask, is it on any streaming service? I... For free? I don't know. Yeah, because that, that could be an issue. Well, if I could find it's a rent for like a few bucks, I would rent it. It's very cheap. I think it's like two or three bucks to rent that movie, It's because it's an old film. I'm definitely not going to buy it, but it would be awesome if it was like on a streaming service, but I'll I'll, I'll look around... You probably should have looked around first, Mike, before you brought this to my attention. <laughs> I I didn't. I'm lazy. Yeah, no, I, I'll give it a try, though. Like, I like a lot of old movies. I like Hitchcock a lot, so I have no problem with the age of the movie. Oh, you like Hitchcock? Oh, yeah. Right. So you saw the Birds movie, right? Um, I have not saw, seen the Birds, no. Oh, what? There's, there's still a lot of his movies oh, I haven't gone back and watched. Holy shit, that movie's so good. Oh, man. Uh, Veronica Cartwright's in that, too. She played, uh... Uh, a Lambert and uh, Alien. She's the little girl in that. Oh, okay. And the main actor in it is Rod Taylor, and he is the main actor in the Time Machine 1960 movie. Oh, okay, interesting. I think like Tippy Hedren's in that too, right? She was like an old famous actress. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said still my favorite is probably Rear Rear Window. I really like that movie. You know what? I'm gonna jump on HBO Max tonight because they have a whole section of classic movies, and I wonder if they have some of those on there. I'm not sure who uh, owns the rights to the time machine. Not the property, like the movie, like the movie rights. MGM made that movie back in the day. Okay, that movie had like a seven hundred thousand dollar budget. I don't know how much that actually is. You know, back in the day, like I don't know if that's like an expensive movie or low budget for nineteen sixty. Dude, but... for nineteen sixty, that was probably like a pretty decent chunk of change. Yeah, the, the movie takes place in England, but they didn't have enough money to film there. <laughs> so they filmed it in California and just kind of did some trickery with the scenery. Oh, yeah, like movie magic. You can, you'd can be surprised what you could do. The thing I like about the 60 movie is it's a lot closer to the book. Now, it, it does take its liberties, just like the 2002 one, but it is a lot closer to the book. All right, cool. Um, 
Yeah, we might have to start like a separate podcast, Mike, where we just talk about movies. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to step on our friend uh, Dustin and Adam's toes with uh, their podcast. Dude, they're never going to talk about the time machine on their freaking... <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. They usually do action and horror. All right, man. Uh, you ready to move on to my surprise mechanic? Sure. Yeah, I'm done. Okay. So my surprise mechanic is uh, basically a question... Has there ever been a franchise, like a video game franchise, where you've had a weird path through it? Like, just a very unorthodox path? Because I was thinking about Resident Evil, and I'm like, it's probably got to be the weirdest path ever. You jump around a lot. Yeah, man. Like, the, the first Resident Evil I ever played was Resident Evil Revelations 2 with you. And we, we did the co-op in there, which actually was really fun. And then after that, you were like, you, you kind of turned me on to Resident Evil 6. Because, like, I mean, it's objectively probably one of the worst Resident Evils. Well, at least from the mainline series. It's definitely the worst. But, yeah, you were like, it's just, it's got fun co-op. So, I went ahead, we bought that, and we played through, which we still need to finish that. I don't know if we'll ever finish it, but we played, like, most of the campaigns, I think. And then the next one I played was Resident Evil 2 Remake because I had played the demo, and I loved it, and so I bought it right away. That's still probably, like, one of my favorite Resident Evils next to Village, I would say. So, after Resident Evil 2 Remake, I played Resident Evil 3 Remake, and then, let's see, after that, was it 5? Was 5 that Resident Evil 5 was the next one I played, maybe? Jesus. He didn't even jump straight to four, guys. He just went to five, man. Holy shit. No, wait. Er, let me take that back. I can't remember if I played. I might have played a little bit of four after three remake. I played like maybe 20 minutes, half hour of that, and I quit because I just didn't like it. And I know that's like widely regarded as maybe the best of the series. Uh, definitely the most influential, at least I'll say. Like Dead Space was influenced by it and... Yeah, it kind of changed gaming a little bit for for that genre. Yeah, so I played a little bit of that, and it's funny that I don't like that one. I just, I'm sorry, like it made me motion sick, and I just, I just did not find it interesting. So then I went on to Resident Evil Five after that. That's when I hit five, and we both played through that entire campaign together, and I had a lot of fun with it. And I think that was like peak Resident Evil pandemonium at that time. That was kind of like a perfect uh, balance of when, you know, meshing like the old games and kind of like how the new precedent set with four. And then this one just ratcheted up with like the action and stuff. And then I think like six is when it just totally jumped the shark. So then after five, I played village number eight. And this doesn't even take into account like the, I watched an entire, I know people are going to be like, Ooh, you didn't play seven. I watched an entire playthrough of it. Now, that, that doesn't count as me playing it, but I have seen everything it has to offer. So take that for what you will. Yeah, but my, my point is, like, I've just had, like, this crazy, like, just jumping all around the, the, the franchise. And I still intend to play the first Revelations, too, because I have that. And I didn't even mention, like, fucking Code Veronica X, which I also played, like, 15 minutes of somewhere in there. And I didn't <laughs> like that either, because it was too much like the old tank control ones. I know I've been talking for a while, but I'm just jumping all over the place. So I just, I was just wondering if there's like any franchise where you've had such a weird path through 
or maybe you have liked a game a lot that others didn't like in the franchise so much, or vice versa, like you hated a game that is, has been praised a lot. The only franchise I can think of where I jumped around a lot is Metal Gear Solid. The first one I played was Metal Gear Solid 3, and then I moved on to 2. I played like a couple hours of that, and then I bailed out because I just couldn't get down with those controls, and the camera was really bad. And, and it was pretty janky in 3, but it was more bearable. And then I played Metal Gear Solid Ground Zeroes. That's the prologue for uh, Metal Gear Solid 5. And I didn't go play 5 immediately after that. I went and played Metal Gear Solid Peace Walker on the PSP. Or Vita, I, sh I should say. I think I played it on the Vita. And yeah, I, I didn't play much of that. Everybody loves that game. And I'm just like, eh, I don't want to play this. <laughs> Wasn't a big fan of that one. Um, I never played the first one. Yeah, and then after all that, I played Metal Gear Solid 5. And oh, I, I should have mentioned this before. I did play Metal Gear Solid 4 briefly back in the day, like around when it came out. But I only played like an hour of it. And then I bailed. All right, now back to Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, I, I played that and then I beat it. And then years later, and it was very recent, I picked up and played Metal Gear Solid 4 beginning to end. That's really the only franchise I can think of where I was just all over the place. That series is hard to follow. I was just going to say, though, like both those franchises share that in common. I think that's they're, they're both yeah. like heavily convoluted. And I think that happens when you get franchises that have so many entries over so many years. They're both made by Japanese developers, too. I don't know if there's like some kind of like lost in translation stuff, too, there that makes it even more convoluted for us. Final Fantasy. That's another one. Yeah, oh god, that would be even worse than both of those. Final Fantasy? I mean, there certainly are people who start out at the first game of a series and play it all the way through, and like, I commend you if you can do that, but for a lot of people, those older games just are unplayable. Like, I've never played the original Resident Evil, or the second, or the third original. Oh, I've played it. It did not age well at all. I'm sorry for all the Resident Evil PS1 fans out there. It's bad now. Now, I know there was like the, the 2015 like remake of the original Resident Evil, which makes it a little bit better. Still doesn't play great. Yeah, I still don't have any interest. Yeah, I'm sorry for like huge fans of those. But yeah, I just I have a hard time with like shitty controls. I just don't find that fun. So I stumbled upon this YouTuber... That that kind of made me think of this because he uh, his name is Noah Caldwell Gervais, and he does all these like thorough looks at entire series. He does other videos too, but so this one particular one, his newest video is a seven and a half hour <laughs> video going through every single game in the Resident Evil franchise. So I watched the entire video in one sitting. No, 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 not one sitting. <laughs> I was going to be impressed. <laughs> but it was cool, though, because I learned a lot of stuff about all the other Resident Evils, and it kind of tied the franchise together for me more. And, like, I'm talking about this guy is super in-depth, man. Like, he actually has really, really poignant analysis of these games, like I've never seen before. And he's he's very well-spoken, and, yeah, I highly recommend you go check out his YouTube, because he's got all kinds of... Uh, videos on there and all kinds of days. He's got one on a Half-Life franchise that I want to watch to kind of bring me up to speed on that. Oh, okay. 
yeah, all kinds of stuff. So, yeah, go check him out. But, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. It's it's not a crazy surprise mechanic. It's not going to be bangers every episode, guys. Yeah, exactly. It's a surprise. Could be a great <laughs> one. Could be a shit one. Could be a short one. Could be a long one. You don't know. You just got to tune in every week to find out. And, and I don't want to. We talked about this before. I don't want every week to be like a game because it seems like we fall into that a little too much. Yeah, I've been trying to mix it up a little bit. But these were fun, though. You know, I, I have homework. I have the Time Machine 1960 movie to go seek out. I'm going to put the birds on top of that, too. I, I'm shocked you haven't seen that movie. Why don't I just do an entire Alfred Hitchcock marathon? <laughs> I'll even watch the ones I've already watched. That actually doesn't sound like a terrible idea. Well, Time Machine's not Hitchcock. Which that would have been interesting if he did that. The Warlocks would have been a little bit more uh, creepy looking. By the way, that's one thing that bothers me with the Time Machine story. The Morlocks are cool, but the way they're described in the original book by H.G. Wells, they sound like they're just big, tall, mice-looking men. And in the 60 movie, they're like, well, I won't spoil it, but they, they don't look that great either. But for 1960, it, it was some pretty damn good makeup. I'll give them that. And then in the 2002 movie, they look like rejected Lord of the Rings characters. <laughs> and now, there is another Time Machine movie rumored. Well, not rumored. I think they came out and said that they have a script, but we haven't heard anything about it in like two years. Uh, the director who did It, the new It films. Yeah, he pitched a time machine uh, story, and I, I don't remember which movie studio they, they, he went to, and they said, yeah, sure, we'll do it. But we haven't heard anything about it since. The only other information we've heard about it was uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was going to be involved and be a producer. And I'm just like, is he going to be the time traveler in this? Because that'd be cool. That would be awesome. But yeah, I'm I'm just happy to hear that they got a horror director because I'm like, are we finally going to get the creepy, cool looking Morlocks I want to see? Because that that guy's mind could probably come up with some crazy shit. Uh, by the way, a Andy Muschietti, that's the director's name. There you go. That's it. But uh, yeah, no, that'd be cool. The Leo DiCaprio, he's probably one of my favorite actors. It's about time yeah. they, they did another remake of The Time Machine. So Yeah, it's one of the grandfather sci-fi stories. So of course they're going to do it again. Anyways, enough of that. Yeah, there were probably these people that just don't watch movies. They're probably like, what the fuck? I thought this was a video game podcast. This is probably the least we've talked about games in an episode so far. Ah, who gives a shit? It's our podcast. Yeah, that's true. We can do whatever we want. Um, yeah, But a lot of people like movies, so hopefully they don't mind too much. I like talking about them, so. I'll bring it back to games. I want a time machine game. Somebody make that. Hasn't happened. We've gotten a few War of the Worlds games. But that's it. No time machine game. Here, okay, Mike, uh, hear me out on this. How about a time machine game directed by Hideo Kojima? No. Okay, <laughs> just no, that's it? You don't want that? No, I don't want that. That's going to be so bizarre. I don't think my brain can handle that, because that's one of my favorite stories of all time. I, I love Hideo Kojima, but no, I don't want to see that. <laughs> All right, Mike, well, we got to get out of here since we're at our time limit. So we've been rambling enough about movies and shit. So, yeah, you're right. Um, Yeah, this is like a weird surprise mechanics. This is a weird episode, actually. <laughs> it feels like it. I don't know how it's going to come out, but uh, yeah, it feels very weird. <laughs> but uh, if you would like to visit us on social media, we're at Boundless Gamers on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And please do us a solid and go follow us on your favorite podcast platform. 
And you can rate us too, if that's an option that would help, uh, help us out for sure. But, uh, yeah, that's, that's really all I got. Um, I, I don't think you have anything to add, Mike. And if you do, I don't give a shit. Cause I'm just going to cut you off right here. <laughs> I got nothing. Okay. I got nothing. No, Wait. no, not not this week, guys. I'll, I'll maybe next week I'll have a long thing to say at the end. All right, fantastic. Like I said, next week we're going to talk about Gamescom, so I'm excited about that. But until then, I am Jacques. I'm Mike. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>